Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You want cash. You want to get stuff done. So what do you do? You buy 5-Hour Energy, of course. You upload the receipt to 5hewin.com, then find out if you've instantly won 10, 100, or even $1,000. Then you drink that 5-Hour Energy and cut through your to-do list like a hot knife through butter. 5-Hour Energy, the official sponsor of getting stuff done. No purchase necessary. Must be 18 and a legal resident of the U.S. Ends June 30th, 2021. For rules, visit 5hewin.com slash rules. Void where prohibited. Message and data rates may apply. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast is brought to you by Triple Threat Sports, Marishka's in Crest Hill, Dr. Squatch Soap Company, and by Fry the Coop. Here are your hosts, NBC Chicago's James Naveau and 670 The Scores hockey guy, Jay Zawoski. Let's drop the puck. Welcome into the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Jay Zawaski with you here. James DeVoe is standing by for our taped interview with Marissa and Jemmy. She'll talk to us about the NWHL season. But first, want to tell you how to get in touch with the podcast, where to find us, all that good stuff. Email us, madhousepod at gmail.com. We're on Twitter, at madhousepod. Instagram, madhouse underscore pod. We're on Patreon, slash madhousepod. We're everywhere. Go to madhousepod.com for all things Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. And check out our merch shop, madhousepodmerch.com, powered by our friends at Triple Threat Sports. And before we get started, we got to tell you about our partners at Dr. Squatch Natural Soap Company. If you came down to my basement, you would see what looks like a Dr. Squatch shipping facility because I've got four bars of soap lined up. I've got six other bars on deck. I've got two bottles of shampoo, two bottles of conditioner, both toothpaste, three sticks of deodorant. It's basically a Dr. Squatch warehouse down here in my basement. And you know what? It smells awesome down here. You want to get some natural made in the USA thick bricks for yourself. You want to take care of your hair and your skin once and for all. Go to DrSquatch.com. Take that Squatch quiz on the top right of the page. When you're ready to check out, make sure you enter that promo code MADHOUSE20. You'll save 20% on your order of $20 or more while helping the podcast at the same time. Pro tip, pick up that soap saver. It will make your soap investment last and last and last, ultimately saving you money in the long run. All right, without further ado, our guest on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast is Marissa and Jemmy. She covers the NHL for NBC Sportsnet, the NWHL for Sportsnet. Follow her on Twitter at Marissa underscore and Jemmy. That's M A R I S A underscore I N G 
E-M-I. Enjoy this interview with Marissa and Jemmy. Well, hockey fans, we have a real treat for you guys today. I know Jay and I have talked um, about the NWHL before and how we kind of want there to be a team in Chicago and we're kind of looking to, you know, get a better understanding of the game. So we decided that with the Isabel Cup season and playoffs coming up, we wanted to bring on an expert. So what we did is we asked Sportsnet's Marissa and Jemmy if she would come on and kind of walk us through the start of the NWHL season, what we can expect from the bubble in Lake Placid. And we're just going to pepper her with questions that we think that our listeners would have and that Jay and I have. So here's Marissa. Marissa, how are you doing today? Doing great. How are you guys? We're doing really good. We're really happy that you came on the uh, podcast. I personally love following you on Twitter. I think that you're just an incredible resource for hockey in general. Like your knowledge is so good. And obviously your NWHL coverage is fantastic. And you'll be providing that coverage for uh, Sportsnet as we move forward here with the abbreviated season that they're doing. So I guess the first question that we do need to ask you is just kind of the most basic one that there is about this coming season. And that's How's this whole thing going to work in Lake Placid? What is the league kind of put together and how is it going to proceed the next couple of weeks? Yeah, it's, it's pretty incredible. They were able to get this together because logistically it's so much. These players aren't full-time hockey players, so they all have to uh, kind of get their houses in order to be able to be there. And I, I can only think of like four players who aren't going. So that's pretty incredible. But yeah, so it's going to be a two-week bubble format um, in Lake Placid. Um whoever is in the Isabel cups going to end up playing nine games in 13 days, which um, like anyone playing hockey who isn't in high school or like some junior tournament, like none of them have had that in a really long time. So the competition is going to be just extremely intense. Um, a lot of work went into making this happen um, uh, between the COVID protocols, the testing they're working with Yale, they're getting specific um, tests where they test like, um, the saliva. So it's one of the things they wanted to focus on was not taking away to certify tests from healthcare workers or anything. So they did a great job with that. Um, it, so much has gone into it between the Canadian players, Toronto being able to cross the border. Uh, they put in so much effort to make this happen. And it's really great that it's, it looks like it's going to work out. I did want to ask you real quick about the uh, testing specifically. I know that in some bubbles they've been testing every day and in others they've been testing a little bit less often than that. Do you have any insight into how often these players are going to get tested and what the protocols are if they end up testing positive? I don't know exactly how many times they're being tested. The language they've used is tested throughout. So I assume multiple times they're going to have, um, they're going to drive the test down instead of shipping them so that they can get the results quicker. Um, so it's like a four and a half hour drive from Lake Placid to New Haven where Yale is. Um, my understanding is the protocol if the player tests positive, they have to get two negative tests to play again. Gives my understanding. I don't know if they're going to announce that at some point or not. Um, and if they're going to make any adjustments or whatever, but it seems like they're trying to cover all their bases. They have two hotels, three teams to a hotel. Each, um, each floor is one team and players have rooms to themselves, no roommates, they have to wear masks wherever they are, no socializing whatsoever. Uh, some of these players are working remotely. They're full-time jobs in their hotel rooms, um, and, and they have space from everyone. So uh, they've done the best they can to accommodate these players. Well, that's what I was going to say, Marissa. As I was thinking about this and getting ready for the interview, it sort of dawned on me, like, wait a minute. These are not professional hockey players. They have jobs. They have families. They have. It had to be quite a struggle for all of these players to get time off of work or to get, you know, special consideration to do this. It's quite remarkable to think that they were able to pull this off uh, as well as they have. And 
are there any players that had to sort of skip out because of family duties or work duties or whatever else came along? Yeah. So the Buffalo captain, Taylor Kersey, she's a police officer in Ontario, so she can't go. They didn't give her any exceptions, but, um, I talked to Audra Richards on Minnesota recently and she's a teacher and she was able to get the two weeks off. Um, there are other players who are working remotely from their hotel rooms from Lake Placid. Uh, it, the logistics are insane. It, it's incredible. I think the number was 96% of the players are going. Wow. And something that's pretty incredible that I, I mean, like I want to give a lot of credit to the players association for making this work where anyone who had an opt out, they're getting paid their salaries in full. And the players aren't being paid for just two weeks either. They're being paid their full like season salary. So that's just incredible. They were able to make that happen. So players didn't feel any pressure to go to not to go or anything. Um, I think they've done a great job with that, but yeah, the logistics are crazy and it's really a testament to how much the players believe in a product and believe in the league that they wanted to make sure they were there. You had mentioned some of those challenges in your kickoff story for uh, Sportsnet today, which I would highly recommend that everybody kind of read to get acquainted with some of the challenges that have gone into setting up this bubble. I thought you did a really good job breaking that all down. You mentioned something in there that I thought was actually a really outstanding point, and that was the league taking lessons from the way that the WNBA and NWSL had kind of operated their tournaments and their leagues and their bubbles this season. Obviously, those were both really successful. I will say, just for the record, I'm salty the sky and the Red Stars didn't win titles in those leagues. Um, but I, I just was curious, what kind of lessons did the league pull from those bubbles specifically that you think are going to potentially enable this to be a successful run in Lake Placid? Well, mostly just a success of a bubble format. We saw like what the NFLs had to deal with in MLB when they were not bubbling, even um, the NBA um, when they came back without the bubble, all sorts of problems. And we've seen women's sports continue to prioritize the bubble, prioritize safety, uh, the NW Orlando didn't go, but that was before the bubble even began. And they went off without a hitch. Uh, the WNBA was excellent. And I think the NWHL just like took a lot of that really seriously and saw how they were able to prioritize player safety above anything else. Um, and, and that hasn't always been the case in the men's leagues. As, as we've seen the NFL, just like complete chaos everywhere. Uh, MLB, their problems, the NBA and NHL just started. So who's to say, I mean, Dallas already has issues. But um, I think they just saw the way that those leagues were just, again, prioritizing safety, and they really wanted to uh, be one of those leagues doing that. So here's how it's going to work, hockey fans. Beginning on January 21st and 22nd, the six NWHL teams will arrive at Lake Placid in a staggered schedule. Starting on the 23rd, each team will play five games, one against each of the other squads. From there, a playoff round determines the four semifinal teams. The top seed faces the four seed while the second team takes on the third team. There'll be single elimination series. Finally, the 2021 Isabel Cup final will take place on February 5th. Now, what's great about this is you can watch all the games on twitch.tv slash NWHL and NBC Sports is covering the semifinal and the final. So you're going to be able to watch this on TV. That is a huge step. Uh, for the NWHL. Yeah, it's the first time uh, pro women's hockey will be on national television in the United States. Um, it, it's really incredible that they were able to make that happen. And really a lot of credit to NBC for prioritizing women's sports as well. And I mean, the NHL season's going on now and they're still choosing to televise women's hockey games. And I think that's a really terrific statement. Um, the exposure is going to be tremendous. That's going to help their sponsorships. Um uh, I know the players are really fired up for the opportunity to play for that kind of exposure. Cause normally the only players who uh, have the opportunity to have that audience are on national teams in the Olympics. So 
we're going to see some players who have never had that kind of audience before in their entire lives. And I think that's really incredible that in general, the league has really taken a really like just an unfortunate situation for everyone. Uh, Pro sports have definitely had a lot of issues and uh, it's a tough time for pro sports leagues, especially smaller ones to try to generate the same interest and the same audience. And obviously the smaller leagues have uh, smaller financial situations as well. And the NWHL is really turning into a positive um, and accumulating with the uh, TV deal. Hopefully it's a sign of things to come. Marissa, we're going to kind of get into a little bit more of the specifics of the teams that are involved in this. And I figure that with you being from Boston and everything, that it would probably be a logical place to start with the Boston pride, just because you look at their roster and they are so talented, tons of top scorers just up and down this roster. I mean, it's pretty obvious that they're going to be one of the favorites in this tournament. They have players like Jillian Dempsey, McKenna Brand. Um, Are there players on the Boston pride that kind of are going to enable them to kind of get to that favorite status? Like, who do you kind of have your eye on as we get into the tournament yeah well Dempsey and Brand two of the best players in the league for sure their goalie LaVisa Solander last year just was tremendous in that her rookie year uh look for her to be good again and something where the pride have a good advantage is their backup goalie Victoria Hansen is terrific as well so in a tournament like this with so many back-to-backs especially the pride schedule is brutal early on so they have two goalies who can both step in and that's going to help them a lot on defense Kaylee Fratkin one of the original NWHL players she's tremendous um uh, she'll have a big impact for sure, along with her defense partner, uh, Mallory Suliotis, who has really, uh, really emerged the past couple of years out of Yale. But one of the things about the pride that makes them so good is their depth overall and up and down the roster. Their third line is going to be all rookies between number one overall pick Sammy Davis and then Teresa Venisova from Maine, two of the fastest players in the league already as rookies. And they'll be playing with Taylor Winkowski out of UNH, who was a captain there. Um, Their depth is just tremendous and they have superstars, but the deeper you go into their roster, you realize just how much they can wear a team down. I also wanted to ask you, obviously we have to, there's so many interesting storylines in this tournament. You obviously have the pride who are, have such a good roster. You have the Minnesota white caps that won the Isabel cup in 2019. And then you have the Toronto six, who is an expansion franchise. that are going to be playing their first NWHL games in this bubble I got to ask you, Marissa, how are you kind of anticipating that they're going to look? Is there anybody on that team that we should look out for specifically? And can they compete in kind of a really fast paced tournament like this? Yeah, I'm excited to see them because they don't have a ton of players with NWHL experience. There's only four players there between Emily Fluke, who was on Boston last year, Cheyenne Darkangelo, who took a couple of years off to play in the PW and the CWHL. Um, and then Emma Greco, a defenseman who uh, played in the playoffs last or a couple of years ago was Connecticut. And then Michaela Grant-Mentis, who was a draft pick for Buffalo. Other than that, everyone is new to the league between rookies and then players who they, they have a lot of experience in the CWHL. You look at Kristen Barbera, who will be their number one defender. She has a Clarkson Cup. She's a power play captain type of player. I uh, look at Taylor Woods, who also won a Clarkson Cup. Her sister, Emma Woods, who will probably center that top line for them. Um, So they have players who have been in big situations, winning Clarkson Cups, playing overseas, playing for NCAA titles. Um, That that team's going to be better than most uh, just regular run-of-the-mill expansion teams. First-time watchers, first-time viewers of the women's game, who are some of the players that they need to keep an eye out for? Maybe give me one player from each team that fans should watch. Yeah, for the pride, um, I think McKenna Brand is one of the funnest players to watch in pro hockey, period. Um, her shot is tremendous. She's super fast. She uh, she can dish to the puck. I, I just really enjoy watching her play ever since her Northeastern days. Um, on Buffalo, I look at Marie-Jo Pelletier, their number one defender. 
she's an assistant captain and just her second season, she's a four foot 11 defender and she's probably the best defender in the entire league. She's just fantastic. You ask anyone in the league who they don't want to go up against and it's her. Um, so she's amazing. Um, on Toronto, I'm excited to see Cheyenne Darkangelo back in the league after a couple of years off because she looked like she was really going to break out with Connecticut a couple of years ago. Um, on to Riveters, um, I'm really excited to see Kelly Babstock back in the league as well. She was on Toronto originally, and her rights got traded to the Riveters. Um, she's someone else who was in the league for a couple of years between Buffalo and Connecticut, left for a bit, and now she's back. I'm really excited to see what she does on that kind of reloaded Riveters team where their offense looks like it's going to make some noise. Um, on Connecticut, Shannon Doyle, their number one defender, their captain um, out of Boston University, uh, another original player, a lot like Fratkin, um, just a tremendous defender, led the league or was second in the league in block shots last year. She's like she's one of the leaders on a Connecticut team that really feels like they're ready to make a leap. And then on Minnesota, probably Ellie Thunstrom, who's one of the fastest players in the league, tremendous scorer. She scored the only goal in their semifinal win over to uh, Riveters last year. Um, she's always going to be fun. She's on that top line. That also includes Jonna Curtis, who's terrific. So, um, I think that's one on every team, hopefully. <laughs> um, but I, there's some, there's so much talent in this league. There's so many great players that I think anyone who hasn't had the opportunity to experience the NWHL yet is really going to be happy to see how many, um, really awesome players they get to see. Another kind of cool thing I'm noticing some teams doing is the uh, there's some NHL teams who are kind of showing their support for the tournament and kind of shouting the teams out. I know the Minnesota Wild, the Boston Bruins, and I believe the New York Rangers have all, uh, they're all sending, I think, those like cardboard cutouts of their players and they're kind of shouting out the teams on social media. Is that important, do you think, for the growth of the league to have the NHL kind of shouting those teams out and just to kind of just gin up some, I, I would say gin up like, you know, awareness i guess of a product that's really going to be awesome when you guys when they finally uh hit the ice in lake placid yeah i mean it's good because the nhl's had an opportunity to use their platform to um promote the women's game for a while so anytime they do it's good it would be awesome to see them continue to do more and promote these teams um especially in their cities like you don't see really enough of the bruins um hyping up the pride as much as you would really hope for Um, We've seen some not so great past between the Sabres, just ignoring the Buttes and the Devils, Uh, originally having some ownership in the Riveters and then selling them back after the PWHPA became a thing. So anytime you see the NHL kind of double back and they come back and support uh, the women counterparts, it's good to see because they have a platform and they have an opportunity to really uh, promote the women's game anytime. Like what the Colorado Avalanche are doing on Twitter right now, they don't have a team there at all. And they're really doing a great job hyping people up for the NWHL. And you love to see stuff like that. So hopefully mm. that continues going forward. Well, Marissa, we had uh, Kendall Coyne on the podcast back in November when she took her uh, her coaching and development job with the Blackhawks. And I asked her specifically uh, what the league could do to help the growth of the women's game. And I wanted to just play this audio for you so you can react to it. I think the league could subsidize a women's league and make sure it doesn't fail to make sure it's successful to make sure the infrastructure is set up for the players to be the ultimate professionals that they need to be in order for the product to be professional um, for the players to get paid for the benefits to be there, you know, for, for the, the products, you know, to, to have an infrastructure that allows the best players in the world to compete on under one umbrella. We have not seen that in the women's game yet. 
which is crazy to me because it's, it's 2020. And, you know, the fact that we're so siloed because of the lack of resources in the women's game is, is hard. It, it makes the day-to-day -day very, very challenging. Um, so I think, you know, that would be a way that I can, I see the NHL step in and, and help make sure that there's a league that, that will not fail um, from, from years and years and years to come. How far away do you think something like that would be from the NHL, Marissa? I mean, my take has always been if the NHL wanted to do that, they would have. Yeah. Um, they had the WNHL trademark since 1991. They've had that opportunity long before the NWHL existed, long before the CWHL existed. If they wanted to, they would. Um, they, they've moved a goalpost for a long time now. Back when there were two leagues, they would complain there wasn't one league, but there was one league before the NWHL. And then the CWHL ceased operations, and there is one league, and then a bunch of the players – want to go create the PWHPA. Um, one of the reasons that I really believe in the NWHL product and what they've done is because they've built this all very organically on their own. They haven't had NHL support. They haven't had support of Team USA. They haven't had support of some of the best players in the game, and they, they're still on NBC. They're still doing a bubble. They're still putting out a product in the pandemic, and no one else can really say that in women's hockey right now. So I think what the Players Association specifically has done to better conditions um, to fight for things. Um, the fact that the NWHL, the commissioner, Ty Timonera, went to the player association and said, we want to pay the players full salaries. The fact that that league is doing that on their own and the players don't really need to fight for it too much and they have been receptive to what the players are asking. I think that says a lot about the NWHL and undermining that by um, asking the men for help. I think that really undermines it a lot because I think that what the women have done here deserves a lot of credit. So if the NHL wants to help at any point, if they want to give up some of their resources, if they want to just send a tweet or two here and there, <laughs> that can only help. But mm -hmm. to undermine what the NWHL has done and ask for them to step aside so the men can handle it, I don't think that really sends the right message. And I guess that's kind of what the divide in the sport right now is about. Marissa, I'm really glad we were able to get your perspective on that question because I know it's one that comes up a lot when covering women's hockey. And I, I, I meant it when I said it earlier, you're one of the absolute best at covering this league and this sport. So I'm glad we were able to kind of get you on here to talk about that. I think it's a really important issue. Um, obviously, we know you're going to have some great stuff coming up on Sportsnet about the tournament. Is there anything that you've uh, kind of got up your sleeve that you can tease us with in terms of coverage of the upcoming tournament? Yeah, I mean, I'll be filing reports every day from the bubble, um, a few features coming up, a few things on NBC as well, where I cover the NHL over there. And since um, the NW uh, playoffs and Isabel Cup will be on NBC Sports Network, I'll have a few stories over there as well. And uh, follow me on Twitter at Marissa underscore and Jemmy. And there will be a whole lot of stuff. I have a preview coming later this week, a couple more features on Sportsnet. So uh, uh, there's going to be a lot. So hope you like women's hockey. Really glad that, uh, you know, I guess we're sort of teammates under the NBC umbrella since I work for the TV station in Chicago yeah. and you work for the big dogs at NBC Sports and keep up the great work, Marissa. Thank you so much for uh, coming on and talking to our listeners about the NWHL. And I honestly, I can't wait for this tournament. It's going to be so much fun. Yeah, thank you guys so much. That was Marissa and Jemmy from Sportsnet, from NBC Sportsnet, and she also covers Hockey East for USCHO. Follow her on Twitter at Marissa underscore in Jemmy. That's M-A-R-I-S-A underscore I-N-G-E-M-I. We hope you enjoyed that special edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Remember, you can watch the entire NWHL season, which is happening over the next couple weeks on twitch.tv slash NWHL. And 
The semifinal and Isabel Cup final will be on NBC Sports, so make sure you don't miss that. I promise you it's going to be entertaining. It's going to be fun as hell. Thanks to Marissa and Jemmy, and thanks to you for listening to this episode of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast was brought to you by Triple Threat Sports, Marishka's and Crest Hill, Dr. Squatch, and by Fry the Coop. Good afternoon. Would you like to try a free sample of our double fudge brownie? Oh, sure. Mmm, that's very good. I'll just take one more, just to be sure. Yep, still very good. Some things never change, like never being able to take just one free sample. And Geico saving folks lots of money on their car insurance. Mmm, is that macadamia nut I taste? Let me take one more. Sir, mmm. I thought so. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Okay, parachutes ready. Boy, the things I go through to get auto loan rates as low as 0.99% APR for 60 months on new vehicles with PenFed. You are aware that you don't have to be a military member to save hundreds on your auto loan, aren't you? Anyone can join PenFed. As someone terrified of heights, I probably should have looked into that. Probably. Drop me off at the shore. PenFed Credit Union. Visit PenFed.org slash autos or call 1-800-247-5626. Advertised rates available through the PenFed Carbine service. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA.